Well, uh, look, so we didn't talk about the documentary. Guys, again, Red Pill Sunday School, Wagging the Dog is what it's called, part one. And I'm also released my new documentary, which is Lethal Injection 2, the story of vaccinations, right? The the people who've created all these viruses, like it's like there's no wild type viruses anymore, rabies and all these things. They're all lab grown. All the diseases we're suffering from, they're all lab grown and they admit this. That's why this documentary is so important because it explains dual use research, um, uh, gain of function, how they added uh, certain receptors so that uh, SARS would be infectious to humans. They're doing this in a lab. Anthony Fauci is the one funding it, which is just amazing to me that nobody seems to understand that. And um, the, right now, if something escapes from the lab intentionally or accidentally, the way that, like if H5N1 escapes from the lab, they've, they've done all the, the worst possible things they could do to create a biological weapon. They've made it more virulent, more infectious, more contagious, more uh, uh, antibiotic resistant or drug resistant, uh, airborne. You know, they, they've added all these functions to these viruses to make them as deadly as possible so they can study them in a lab. Now, if that escapes, we're all dead. I, I don't know how to say this. Whether that's a purposeful event, a depopulation event, or an accident, this is the dystopian worst nightmare you could ever possibly, you know, it's here. We've talked about it for years. We've warned people. It's now here. They openly discuss it. They openly tell you how they did it. You don't have to have a theory anymore is what I'm saying. You know that Anthony Fauci funded it, sent this one to China, and China uh, escaped the lab in China. You know they talk about it. Um, you got to watch this, this, this movie if for no other reason, not because I'm telling you what happened, but because they tell you what happened in their own mouth from their own mouths right you don't have to wonder anymore how did COVID-19 you know come about they created it in the lab they tell you that and if we don't do anything about it again if we if we stay inactive we we allow this Fauci guy to become even more powerful now we're we're dead I'm sorry this is their depopulation tool and it's all leading towards transhumanism again the, the documentary covers a bunch of aspects to this that are mind-blowing so please watch it please share it and uh, again my other movies will be coming out here periodically <laughs> Greetings, programs, and welcome to All Within the One to another episode of Interverse. I'm your host, Chance, and I am extremely grateful to have you here, fellow truth seekers, because at, as it has been so often said, know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This often misunderstood notion is one we intuitively feel to be 
evidently correct, but due to the diligence of indoctrinators, the dogmas of corporate religions and the moral relativism and spiritual materialism of the new age, new cage generation, many of us spend years or even our entire lives constantly seeking the answer to what should be a simple question. Just what is the truth? And just as Morpheus puts it in the Matrix film, the question, what is the Matrix, requires us to ask, what is real? Is real simply that which you can touch, see, smell, hear, and taste? And I think the context of this movie skews our perspective on that answer. Because self-evident reality is quite tangible, nature is existence, and what exists is the truth. And as I hope you're following this line of thinking, to put it clearly, when we stop asking what is truth and actually answer that question by defining truth as reality itself, we no longer need to seek truth, we realize we're in it, and that the eternal nature of existence is the one truth and one law of permanence. And once we can see that, we can differentiate between what has its origin in nature and what is invented by our imaginations, and we have a measure in reality by which to gauge if our art is creating a life in harmony with that nature or adversarial to it. But now that I've set the table for our conversation today, it's time to welcome our guest Clint back to the show. A lot of what I just explained, I came to these realizations through reflecting on his work over the last several months since we last talked. And on that appearance back in August, there were a lot of potentially tough red pills to swallow for uh, <laughs> the fact that we examine biblical scriptures from a poetic perspective, as opposed to the literal interpretation or flat out rejection of those so widely maligned verses. And I highly recommend you go check out that episode, although we'll do our best to define the terms that we're using and make this accessible to anybody that's just tuning in for the first time. Because we really can't say the truth enough ways and enough times, enough different ways to say it. Uh, Clint's got a lot of material online that you can find, as well as an incredible book, Straw Man Story, which we discussed a lot last time. And I've been plugging away at it. It is a beast, but I'm, I think, 450 pages in and... <laughs> Sometimes I spend a while just on one page reading and rereading these definitions of uh, words in what our language used to carry as far as intent. And a lot of that is completely lost now. So you can find Clint at realityblogger.wordpress.com, strawmanstory.info for his book, which you can download for free, and Red Pill Sunday School on YouTube, which is an awesome series that I went through last month and got so much out of. There's probably more stuff, so I'll let Clint tell you other ways that you can find stuff that he's up to. And I'll remind you, you can subscribe to Interverse on Patreon to support this podcast for a measly five bucks a month, and you'll get the extra long version of the shows. So with all that being said, it's time to kick off our deep dive with the regenerate revealer of the linguistic rules of ancient Babylon and its game of Monopoly and resurrector of enfranchised corporate zombies everywhere, the impeccably eloquent Clint Richardson. Welcome back, man. Thanks, man. It sounds like show's over already, though. You covered everything. <laughs> I can't live up to that kind of introduction. That's not even true, man. I've been reading your book, and that is some very admirable command of language. Uh, well, it is patently ridiculous to try to have a conversation unless you speak the same language. I mean, if you don't believe that's true, just... I don't know, walk into the jungles of Africa and start talking to a tribe who's never seen a white person before and see what happens. You know, if you don't believe and, and what's the worst part about that is if your language is similar as the natural language or the, the things that we if I point to a horse, I'm I, I'm intentionally saying it's a horse, whereas someone that's in a corporation might consider it a, an asset. 
and be talking about something completely different when he points to that horse or that human, right? Because uh, slavery is alive and well. So, you know, you strive to speak the, the what you might call the natural language, the language that that is intentionally unharmful and just descriptive or, you know, your verbs and your adjectives. But they created the name. And a name is just another word for noun. And what you find is that every word has the verb or the action, and every word has the adjective or the description, and those are generally more, I guess you could call them more truthful because you're describing something that's actually happening. Then you have the name, and the name is always an empty uh, vessel or an empty form that is not an action, it is not a description, it is simply a name. And what is what is a noun but a person, place, or thing, right? And <laughs> so if you think about it, the whole legal system runs on nouns, names, and name only. You've got your president, your congressman, your citizens, your everything is either a person, place, or thing, which is a noun or a name. And when I realized that, kind of opened up the whole thing for me because then I started noticing the difference between the noun and the verb and the adjective or whatever, you know, whatever grammatical label is put on the word. But most importantly is that the name is always illegitimate or um, not the truth, right? So uh, you can say all the things you want about me and whether it's good or bad, doesn't necessarily mean they're true because you're just using uh, uh, your name calling essentially, right? So big difference between and and what you find is that we're all stuck in the realm of the name, the realm of the noun, and we should be in the realm of action, the realm of description, uh, you know, poetry and all that good stuff. But instead, we're so stuck in the realm of the name, which is the legal realm that uh, we actually start performing according to the titles, names that are put upon us. And, of course, that is 100% directly opposed to what the Bible says. And, by the way, that the truth will set you free. A lot of people don't know. That's, that's a quote from the Bible. And so many people are quoting the Bible. They get all their moral standards and everything. They don't know they're getting it from the Bible because it's now a cultural thing that we, you know, we teach our children this or we teach, but all of that stuff really ultimately comes from the Bible. Um, the truth will set you free. Well, what is truth? And it turns out the most important thing I ever learned that, that, that truly made me understand what we're talking about when we say truth Again, uh, the truth will set you free. Well, guess what? It also says God is truth. And when it says God is truth, you have to, of course, look up the word God to see what that means. And it refers to Jehovah. And here's what's really interesting. Jehovah is, they, they say it's the name of God, Y-H-V-H, basically. In the old Greek and the old, I did a whole series on it, right? How they've hidden that name and hidden that word. And replaced it with words like God and Lord. Well, you know, the concept of God is anyone. I mean, really, a God is anyone that's in power over you. Whether that's physical power, mental power, political power. 
that is your God. So your president, like if you look up the word God, it says magistrate. What is an example of a magistrate? A judge, a president, a mayor, right? And so they replaced this word, this beautiful concept of existence itself, of truth itself. Nothing man-made is true, okay? Because it doesn't come from what, what we say is God, but the, the correct ancient term that was fully defined. There was never any debate about what that word meant. No one would ever say, I don't believe in existence, right? That doesn't even make, you know, I don't believe in the existence of God means I don't believe in the existence of existence, which is, you know, it's nihilism. It's patently ridiculous. And so this term Jehovah actually, it's funny. I can go to the Webster's 1828 dictionary. I can look up Jehovah and it's a verb, it's the only word that describes, quote-unquote, God that's actually an action, right? Existence is an action. It's something happening. Creation, again, not a word meant to be a historical word. Creation is something that's always happening, right? Creation didn't just happen. It is a continuous, beautiful thing that keeps going and going and going. And so you don't you don't label it by the noun, you consider it a verb. And so if you consider God or Jehovah as a verb, meaning an action, or the, the, the actual existence of things, or the, some, you might say the spirit of the universe, the, 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 <laughs> however you want to phrase it to make it uh, clear that it's not just a name, it's referring to the act of existence right? And the spirit behind that, the law behind that, etc. Then I look up the word existence in Webster's 1828. It's the same exact definition, right? I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that, that helps me to, to explain. Yeah. It's, there's a difference though, because you see, and this is where it gets confusing because if you look up the word life, Right, that's part of existence. If you're if you're alive, you're obviously a part of existence. You're not just in; you are part of Jehovah. Right, you are born from nature, as opposed to a car, which is born or birthed from a factory. Those, you know, you cannot say that that those are both equal in their place in nature or truth. Right. So, and that's really the ultimate understanding of it you don't really need to go any farther than that because then the rest of the bible is designed to keep you away from falling away from truth which is jehovah falling into the legal words and the legal traps and the artifice and all the different things that keep you away from the truth right so you got this word life kind of like existence it has so many different definitions because of man, of course. So you think about it, my computer has a life. My computer just crashed, right? As you know, and I had to redo everything, put all my, my programs back on. Think, think, thank God they all came back. But the life of my computer was from 2013 till now, and now it had to be re, you know, re-given a new life. There's, uh, how many things do we say? There's the life of a contract. How's the contract uh, fulfilled execution. Hmm. So execution can mean something other than taking a real life. Therefore you have now this word execution, which if you think about it in general, you'd think, okay, they're going to kill a man, chop off his head. 
but it can be so many other fictional things. And that's the problem because everything in the legal, everything in the artifice is of course going to be artificial. It's going to carry an artificial name, which has an artificial power and artificial respect from people. And it starts taking over and has taken over our lives to the point where we're actually afraid of nature. Like nature scares us. We're, we're, we're so afraid of like I get people all the time saying, "So Clay, what's the answer?" All smug and saying, "What are you gonna do? Just walk back and walk out into the forest and uh, you know ignore everything?" I was like, "Well, no, because you have to understand the difference between." It's kind of like for me, it's kind of like this concept I've been working on of rock, paper, and scissors. Like if there was an, a, a mythological origin to the rock, paper, and scissors, right? It would help us understand. There, there's like three things. You got the rock, which is, is kind of the foundation, right? It's need. It's something that I really need. It's the truth. It's, it's, it can't go. It can't be less important than anything else, right? And then you've got the, the you know, the scissors. And the, the rock, of course, is more powerful than the scissors. Scissors are like a utility, like a plow or scissors or Anything that you'd use as a tool, so you'd say it's sort of a utility or a some or an ease. Like in the Bible, it says that ease is a, is is a sin because it, uh, like you know, it can lead to such things as slavery. It's kind of like the intellect too. Let me just throw that in. Like um, the intellect cuts things and divides things and categorizes things. So and it's like inferior or emerge it from nature, which is the rock. I, I feel like this is a really apt. Yeah, perfect. Like you're, really you're, apt you're indulging in what nobody wants to indulge in, which is metaphor, right? Which take everything literally. So you start applying rock, paper, and scissors to everything. So you have need, you have uh, basically ease or, or a, a tool, right? Like a plow. Which, which helps the need. And then you have the paper. And the paper is obviously this thin sort of covering, right? You could say it's like the noun. It's, it's, it's our wants and our desires. So naturally, what happens when the wants and the desires, they defeat the, they defeat the need. And we're living right now in a world of complete materialism. So this is the, this is the desires, the material world if you will and it's covering the rock and if you think about the the power of this should never be this foundation this rock should never be um clouded or able to be covered by any of the other tools so if the <laughs> this is kind of corny but it helps me to Explain it. If the paper does cover the rock, well, I've still got scissors in my arsenal, right? I've played my want card, so I can't play my need card. So uh, I win all the time with my with my rock. And so I was, I was imagining this sort of uh, historical thing where people played rock, paper, and scissors, and that's how they decided who would who would win an argument or who what what, what happened first, right? If we had several things to do, we'd always go to need then tool or or you know ease and then of course want and desire would always be last but instead we've reversed that order and our our needs are not being met 
we're all unhealthy. We're all eating incorrectly. We're separated. They've got us wearing burkas now, <laughs> which I think is probably the most amazing thing that happened out of this is that five years ago, the idea of everybody wearing a face covering was a heated debate. Now everybody's wearing a freaking burka. And we're not even associating that to that former debate or the fact that what set women free, supposedly, in these countries was the fact that they could take off their, their face mask. Right? That's where we are right now. We're in this mentality that we can't even we can't even grasp the need because we're so stuck in the artifice. We're stuck in the matrix. The matrix provides us everything. But it's all a lie to keep us from, you know, from the from the need. So it's like a lower dimension too. that. That piece of paper is two dimensional, you know, that uh, obviously the rock is three dimensional. And then the, the scissors, too, which is interesting. I still like to I like this metaphor a lot. And I, I like uh, the idea of also associating that ease part of the scissors with reason or the intellect, because that's like the tool we have to create our ease in our, our life. And it's all, it's also the tool that can help us separate the fiction from the reality. But so. it's also, it's also what can lead you to this. I mean, it's, it's what causes yeah. as the Bible would say it causes sin. And even, even the word sin is this really cool word that actually comes from S Y N N. And then it's on all of our words, we have S Y N. Right. And if you think about uh, words like dis or sin, they're all artificial things or evil things. Disease, disassociation, you know, dis, dis was actually the name of the devil in Dante's Inferno. One of the names is given to the devil, dis. So every word that has dis in front of it as a prefix is, of course, dis ease. It's, it's bad, whatever, right? Kind of like mal means evil, malpractice. And then you have this word sin with, well, synthetic, sin this. So, so the concept of sin actually comes from artifice or what is not of truth, what is not of nature, what is not of God, if you will. And you start putting all these puzzle pieces together and you, you see instantly what the problem is. You see instantly what the problem in your life and everybody else's life is. And that is this artificial, you know, from artificial intelligence to the fact that we're artificially viewing each other on a screen to, you know, everything is now in the realm of, you know, these two, <laughs> these two parts of the, of the metaphor and the needs are, uh, you know, essentially, well, I mean, a good example there again, you mentioned the matrix, which is the, a perfect example of, of this. You have the important part about the matrix when you do a little read, and I was going to write a book on this. I probably still will eventually is that the reason, you know, it came out in 2000, was it 1990 or 2099? I think I was a 10 year old. The problem was that the, the producers didn't think that people would understand the original script. The original script basically said that the Matrix was a voluntary uh, virtual reality that people chose to exist in. Uh, and then eventually, 
lost their will to go back to reality, right? And that's what we are headed to is exactly that. And so as, as, as the matrix or the, the simulation <laughs> is, is, is actually the important word, because the matrix, it, the movie itself was based on or, or plagiarized from a lot of it from the book Simulacra and Simulation, which if you don't have this book, it is a must read. Hardest book you'll ever read. I've read it about 13 or 14 times now, and I intend to sort of retranslate it because it was translated from a postmodernist French guy. And it has some really valuable stuff in it um, that the movie was was based on, but it the movie itself was designed to steer you away from anything good. It was it was I'd say the movie itself was supporting what you saw as opposed to a, a being opposed to what you saw. And as a wink in that movie, there's actually a scene where they flash that book. You just see the, just for a split second. I caught that last time I watched it and I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. And that, um, you notice it's a hollow book. And when he opens it, it's, it's, it's turned to a page. One of the chapters, which is on nihilism. That's the name of the chapter. Like I said, if you don't believe in existence, then you're a nihilist, essentially. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it creates melancholy, all these different th things. And this guy obviously was very melancholy until he left the Matrix, right? So, or maybe that's just his bad acting. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, simulation and simulacrum. So simulation just means hypocrisy. If you look up simulation, especially in the old dictionaries where they're, you know, where the language comes from, you find that simulation and hypocrisy are the same word. We are simulators. And what that means is we know the law, we know the moral or spiritual law, and we choose to ignore it, and we act in that which is opposed to it, which is the legal law. We respect the artifice over the real. We do everything we can. And then a simulacrum uh, is what is what is a, a copy without an original right so if you think about the matrix simulation it's a simulacrum it's a copy without an original it's a copy of what the computer simulation and all of our history uh described the past as and it was recreated as a simulation well a simulacrum basically means it's a copy of something that no original exists and that's because there's no way to actually go back in history you it's, it's done you can write about it you can do it history is always a lie and it's usually a lie written by the victors right there's one thing that can help understand this too i believe i heard this in one of your red pill episodes but the example you gave i think was from a movie and this is a good way to understand like the difference between something that might have legal life or in some kind of artful form life versus real life that is in nature and that you gave the example of an axe that the the head of the axe breaks and you replace the head of it and then you're using it and the the uh, wood part breaks so you replace the wood and it's the same axe but now it's a copy with no original but it's not the same axe exactly but the fact that it can still exist and have life as an axe even a human body you couldn't take out all the parts and swap them out with different parts like that and have not no original and that's the question, you know, in transhumanism, are you, are you the same if you're being loaded with all kinds of 
viruses and things that change your your DNA and your and your epigenome are you are you the same when you get an artificial limb are you really the same well you, if you answer yes to that i mean you're you're either falling for the the emotional sort of uh fallacy that that is put forward on that you know support your troops support support this you know give give false empathy to people no you're not the same and that includes whatever your your mind is filled with. I would say you're not the same person as you were a year ago, right? I mean, the more you learn, the more you then take that and apply it to other things, then it changes you. It changes your actions. It cha- changes your goals. Uh, it changes your your perception of things. So, you know, change is, change is part of life. And you you learn you really should learn to embrace the change, especially if you're going to, I mean, that's the best relationship advice I could ever give someone is first of all, expect that they're going to change because you you can't not change and, or grow up or whatever. And secondly, look forward to the change, embrace the change, support the change and try and, you know, try and, understand the change so that you don't divorce or you don't do whatever you're going to do because i guarantee you that if you expect your husband or wife or whatever to be the same person you're not the same person i married well no you stupid (laughs) are you are you dumb (laughs) your your whole body you know all the cells in your body have have reproduced and died you know one time over in that time so no you're not the same person you're not the same, you don't have the same brain your brain cells died and re- everybody changes and i think that that is part of the understanding of those who want to control people is that in a generation they can change the entire structure and moral foundation of a society if you can take your children away from your parents put them in public school put them in church put them in all these different things then you can literally re-educate and re uh rebalance a society to the point where it's completely enslaved because it has no idea of the things we're talking about it has no idea most people have no idea they're hypocrites or the correct term would be simulators right so there's there's sort of two sides to that you have the complete hypocrites which you could say are the the priest class and the and the the higher class and you have this the simulators uh, which are the lower class and those who really uh, never had the chance to get the education of the higher class and they use that what we call dumbed down state to control the lower class, right? But really, all the, all you're all you're seeing are two different forms of hypocrisy. One, these are true hypocrites; those who know they should not be acting this way, but do. And then you have the the lower us, right? Most of us, the cattle, who don't even hardly realize there's this higher law that we should be following, which would keep us away from these people who control us, and. Therefore, we're hypocrites, but we're more toward this. We're simulating a moral life. We're simulating Christianity. We're not acting as a Christian or someone who follows Christ. We don't do anything. We don't even know the Bible. We can't possibly be actual followers of 
of Christ as an example of how to live your life. But we simulate it. We go to a church and we get the noun. I'm a Christian. Well, that's just a noun. That's a name. That's a title, a flattering title. Guess what the Bible says? Never respect any names, persons, or flattering titles. Person is a status. Flattering title is any power of authority. It says in the Ten Commandments, we don't even know what this means. It says, take no gods before me. Well, what did I say God means? It's your president. It's your mayor. It's your judge. It's anyone in power over you. Take no other gods before me. We think, well, then I can't worship Zeus or I can't. No, it's actually, if you break down that word, it's going to tell you. You look in the concordances and the lexicons. It's going to tell you what that word means. And it, it means no other lawful authority, someone that you respect or some thing, some name, some title. This is the problem is that we've lost all grasp on reality, especially the reality that a word is attached. Instead, we follow the word to its fictional source and respect it against the 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 very you know this beautiful beautiful book of law and that's what the bible is it's not a religion in any way religions are built around objects and even the freemasons call the <laughs> the bible their sacred book right bible the talmud and the uh quran are their sacred works they also got the furniture of the lodge <laughs> right right and that's because they know they're hypocrites. <laughs> they don't have any qualms about it. They're using the knowledge that most people don't have in order to control them. One of the other movies that I think everybody should really rewatch and, and listen to what's being said and, and happening is uh, the book of Eli. Because in the book of Eli, you know, this, here's this guy traveling across the United States, a desolation. Uh, I won't give away the plot, but, uh, you know, he's he's going all the way across carrying the Bible, this sacred book, so that it can be reproduced and sent to people so that they can relearn the law of nature, right? The spiritual moral law, because right now everything's in chaos because everything is, uh, you know, being run by gangs. People are being raped. You know, the whole thing has gone down. and. Here's this guy who's running a little town, old enough to remember the power of religion, because, of course, religion is, is just using the Bible to control, right? I mean, if you consider the most, most kingdoms of past were ruled by the combined church and state, which was the church, and then the Catholic Church creates the legal system, essentially. And so now you have the state, uh, a place where you can commit crimes against the, the moral or spiritual realm and be forgiven by it. It's priests, right? It's priest class can forgive the state class and the politicians can forgive the priests when they act out of the spiritual law, for instance, pedophilia or whatever. So you have this mutual sort of um, devil's advocate, if you will, or good and bad are, you know, they united the, the, the moral law and the legal law so that 
no matter what, the crime can be forgiven, right? And that's the idea behind the church and the state, because those in the in the sovereign power can do no wrong. They, the king, I mean, there's several maxims of law that say the king is, you can't, the king can break no law, essentially. So the inverse is true, right? That not only can they forgive anyone they want for any violations against nature, but they can, for any reason, accuse someone of breaking their law just because they have a problem with them. I think, I mean, this exact fact is why I'm not really pursuing the type of researchers in the legal realm that are trying to give like solutions of how to game the system just the right way to somehow exploit it and be able to succeed in it. I mean, if that's someone's path or they are already in some kind of trouble and they need that kind of help, you know, to each their own. But I, I just, as hard as it is to accept sort of like the, the, the final solution of the, the facts of the matter, if you will, which is that we need to totally leave it somehow. Uh, I'll go walk around in the woods with you. <laughs> well, that's not, it's not necessary because you've never left, right? You've never actually left nature. You might be in a pod and your mind might be in a simulation, but you got to realize the source of all simulation, meaning the source of all hypocrisy comes from here. It doesn't come from anywhere else. This is where you have to take self-responsibility. And that's what people really don't like. This is why, you know, Men who have been free in the past have always said most men will not choose freedom if it's put in front of them. Most slaves would not have chosen freedom because they have a sense of safety on their foundation, on their plantation. Right? They have their benefits. They have uh, they get food and and shelter. And out there, they, they might get hung. They might get uh, beaten up. You know, they probably can't find a job because they're. You know, why would you give a slave a job when you can enslave them? Right. So there's a sense of protectionism and safety. And of course, the Bible says when they offer, when the, when the, the false gods offer you protection and safety, that's, you, that's how you know you're, toward, you're pretty much at the end of, of, of the road. You're, you're, you're about to enter into a tyranny. And that's, of course, what the Pope offers. It's what the, the government offers. Hope, safety, and security, right? And they do that through insurance and, you know, all these different legal tools that are all, all artificial. And so you got to, you, you got to, freedom is one and only one thing, self-responsibility. Okay. Included in that has to be self-sustainability, obviously, which, you know, I don't think anybody can do it alone. I, I think there, there has to be, there's going to have to be a group. I, I always thought about starting a monastery or a, what they call a religious society, because in the legal realm, you know, you have to look at what government considers. Government believes in God, for instance, right? That's it, why in the insurance industry, there's this thing called an act of God. Well, if government says that an act of God is something that's outside of the realm of human interference, in other words, something like a lightning or a flood or whatever, something, an earthquake, something that is not caused by man is an act of God. In other words, it's an act of nature. God or Jehovah, in other words, what they believe is what the Bible tells you God is, the nature of existence. The the right? If something happens outside of man's capability of stopping it or even causing it, it's an act of God. 
you don't believe in God, then why are you, why do you have insurance? So why are you in this system that takes you out of God's law? Why are you in the legal system? It's because there is this other realm, this, this, the reality of things, the truth, and you're trying to hide away from it in the legal realm. We all are. But you have to admit that. You have to come to the point where you lose your ego. You realize what the system is, why it was designed, which is to take otherwise good men and allow them to <laughs> essentially live in the artifice or sin or whatever words you want to use. That's what the legal system is. Every legal word is opposed to, the, to its natural counterpart, right? If I say freedom and I'm speaking of reality, I, I mean real freedom. That means self-responsibility and following God's law or the law of nature, the moral law, right? Charity, love, all that stuff. But if I say freedom over here in the legal realm, you know, you think you're saying the same thing. We're all free. We're in a free government. Wait a minute. Government means mind control. How can we be free and mind controlled? So that's why you have to be self-mind controlling, self-governing. You, you, over here, freedom means franchise, right? It's a corporate term. Freedom in, in the legal realm essentially means that you have a master and you're its servant. That's what volunteerism is, and that's why it's important to understand that in the Matrix, all those people that were in the Matrix originally were there voluntarily, which is no different than you getting your son a virtual headset and letting him play, you know, uh, virtual games all day, or what, being in the social realm and trolling comments and doing all that stuff. You're you're on your way to a sis a, a system that is being set up to allow you to be a simulator the rest of your life. This is where you have no responsibility, absolutely no self-responsibility. Everything's done for you. Everything is, you know, brave new world type of model. Um, if you haven't seen, by the way, there's a new series. Um, it's like the Peacock channel or whatever. It's NBC, I think. And they, they redid brave new world. And I got to say, man, despite the, the graphic nature of it, it was pretty damn good. Um, just like a mini series, you know. I haven't heard of that. Simu simulation. You can't blame the Matrix. The Matrix is a computer simulation designed to accept volunteers. Okay. So the way they portrayed it in the movie was so that the audience would understand. Because then they didn't think the audience could understand a, a voluntary structure where people would voluntarily leave reality and go into a virtual reality that was too soon to 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 say it was false so they they changed the script and they did all that crap to where everybody's born into it you had no choice and that is so far from the truth of the thing in the original script even it's all about choice choice is everything and in the legal realm see in the natural realm you're making a choice at all times. You're making a moral choice, right? Might be an immoral choice, but you're making the choice. Here, though, in the legal realm, your choice is taken away from you. You don't have a choice. It is called the strict law, the Roman law. And the law is uncaring. It has no rhyme or reason. It affects everybody 
equally, and that's what actually equality is. Legal equality is everybody is um, equally punishable under the law. <laughs> Everyone's the equal lowest common denominator is how I explain it to someone today. You're equally punished un under the law. And what that means in reality is that when I do a crime, being a, I chose to be in my pos my disposition, which is poor, a poor activist, right? Never letting money get in the way of the truth. Well, then I would go to jail. I would, I would spend time in jail because remember, time is money. But a rich person then can pay money because money is time, right? So the rich they get a fine or corporations they get a big fine oh your drug uh, killed a million people no problem just pay us pay government a billion dollars and we'll forgive your crime right you no one goes to jail no one gets fired it's just you know and then you know by the way you can resell that drug in say china or some third world country and you know do all the damage you did here over there and they won't have the you know this is the legal mentality. There's no moral or, or spiritual reasoning behind it. And therefore, the laws themselves, our, our big problem is that we try to apply reason and logic to something that's completely illogical, right? You can't fight a police officer who is enforcing a strict law. There is no choice in the matter. There's no debate. You can't argue morals because it's, it's an immoral law. Right, so battling a police officer is the foolish, most foolish thing you can do. You have to take your your case to court, and then in court, I mean, if you have a, here's the thing, in court, if you're a judge, you're supposed to recuse yourself if you have a religious opinion, right? In other words, if you have a moral issue with the case at hand, and you would judge that case morally. Instead of legally, meaning immorally or without morals, amorally, not letting your religious views, not letting your personal or uh, spiritual you know, side get in the way, they literally have to judge a case legally, which means without moral, without uh, spirit, without choice. This is what the law says. This is the punishment or the sanction for the law. Therefore... That's the logic. That's the only logic there is. And if they deviate from that, they're actually in trouble. They're, <laughs> they should have recused themselves because they had a moral thought. That's how the legal system works. And therefore, that's how you and me and everyone else operates in the legal system. It is designed specifically to do harm to each other. For instance, if you're middle class... Your existence depends on a certain amount of people being homeless and without income. Okay? So you're just as being on that pyramid of power. You know, you have the elite or whatever. And you, you're in the middle of that. And below you is everybody in a lower class. Below you is the animals you kill for sport. Below you are the people that are, you know, not middle class or not up to your standard the people who don't have the same rights as you in other countries you are actually again because you're not self-responsible because you're a legal entity you're pretending to be one legal meaning without god or without morals you know 
you can't exist in that status, which is right in the middle of the pyramid where most people are. You know, you can't have that existence without the rest of the pyramid under you being powerless against you. Meaning, like I said, just the thought that in order for you to have any kind of wealth, someone else has to go without. Right? Which is, again, 100% against the Bible. There's... there. The, the only wealth in the Bible is when you give everything away to, to others because you don't need, right? What you don't need, you don't keep to yourself. You don't invest. You don't do all these things we're doing, right? So it goes back to the rock of need versus the paper of want. <laughs> exactly. Well, money, money in of itself. I mean, you could spend hours talking about money. Yeah, that's musical chairs with a debt-based system. You talked about time as money and how the rich can use time to get out of paying time in jail. The same goes for if you've got a lot of money in the bank versus someone who's in debt. Over time, the debt grows and over time, the compounding interest on the investment grows. So it's it's rigged. And if if every dollar is created with debt, then there's it's musical chairs and there's never enough chairs for everybody. Well, here's the great secret. I could I could instantly cure the economy. Oh, you have to do one thing. Make money non-profit. No interest, no usury, nothing but what the money is, right? Money represents exactly this amount or this thing, nothing else. Because the second that you create money from money, you don't have enough money to pay the new money. Because the new money doesn't exist. It exists only in idea, right? Money in the first place doesn't exist. It exists as a representation of something else. So, and when I say money is time and time is money, and and I'm not, of course, the first to say that, there is a a truth behind that. And it's it's one of the real tools of waking up. I mean, when you understand that there's no such thing as time, that you have two realms, right? You have, again, Truth and untruth, right? Artifice and reality, God or nature, and that which is opposed to it, fiction. Uh, Well, you have over here, you have timelessness. God is timeless. And therefore, when you're reading the Bible, you're not thinking of it as a history. It's a timeless law. You don't don't apply it in one part of of existence because existence – doesn't have a time it goes forever right it's something we can't even really comprehend right so in order to entrap people into the legal system that was the biggest challenge was how do you create an artificial structure of time and then more importantly have a value and and time becomes a commodity right so and I learned this, I learned this one day I was watching, because I find that, that some of the older shows like um, Outer Limits and the, the Twilight Zone and, you know, those, I was watching an old Twilight Zone and in the Twilight Zone, the aliens had, you know, taken this guy and he asks the aliens what time it was. And they just sort of pitied him because, you know, what, what do you what, what do you say to a completely ignorant oath who's never known anything 
but his little disposition on this little planet in this endless, timeless space, right? Who, who everything he does is based on a clock and based on fiction. And they answer him and they say, well, there is no time in space because you don't have, uh, like on Earth, we have the sun and, and we would, some people call it the sky clock. I don't really like all those new age terms, but you have, you have a predictable set of phenomena that allows you to understand when it's time to plant, when it's time to, you know, reap and sow, all of that. And we might call that in, in a metaphoric concept time, but that only exists from this vantage point. Once you get out and away from earth into, into the, whatever space is, I know a, a lot of this, you know, a lot of scientists say space is this, no, you don't know. They don't know. They don't know shit. <laughs> All right. Um, science is more of a religion at this point than than any religion that's ever existed. Uh, anyone that says they can explain the universe is saying they can explain God, essentially. Right. So once you get out there into space, there is no sun revolving around you or you're not revolving around the sun or however it is you want to look at it. Right. There's nothing but fixed things right so you there there's no way to tell time and so what he tells the guy is well on earth the time is time would be this right feeling sort of sorry for him but in space in reality in other words there is no time now no oh, that's that's not true i've got to watch Right, the, the calendar is so accurate. Da da da. Great, wonderful. You know, it's great for things like the farmer's almanac and all that. But once you turn it into a weapon, a tool, a legal thing, right? You've turned it into a noun, and you have used it to to. You've turned well. I mean, basically, when they say time is money. That's all money is in reality. Yeah, you can back it with all these things. You can say it's this. You can say it. time is money. It represents labor, essentially. Right? So if I have a lot of money, I have what represents a bunch of labor from a bunch of people who don't have money. That's why the poor go to jail and the rich pay a fine and don't go to jail. They're paying the same exact thing for the same crime, and that's called legally equality equal punishment under the law just because i don't have time in a form that is paper or credit and just because i do have time in the form of paper and credit i'm i don't go to jail i i relieve myself of that time or that paper that representation but the poor man myself i'm gonna be in jail because i can only pay for my crime with money and money is time time is money right so and of course that judge wears the black robes that have been historically symbolic of saturn or chronos that that other that lowercase g god of time in court cases and you're gonna find something really amazing because i told you god is a magistrate that's what it's been for centuries and centuries and centuries in the language a judge is a god. And if you look at the old court transcripts from just 100 years ago and probably sooner, they still were calling a judge god and you prayed 
to the God of the court. Now we use the term plea, but it used to be pray. And you can look that up. You pray to the judge or the God of the court. And they used to word, use the word God. So when the court recorder was writing things down, he would say, pray, he, the, the defendant prayed to God this. All right. That's the legal realm is the simulation of reality, God, right? The, so you have these authority figures. And again, that's what it means when it says, do not respect any false gods. Don't take any false gods because that's what takes you out of the, the timeless realm, right? Now, how can you? really understand this as a you know you who are listening how can you really understand this in your own life because you know you live in the time domain this is your whole life everything is based you go to work every day according to that fictional thing on your wrist but i want you to think about this would you be going to work every day if you didn't have the debt of money which is time if you didn't have to pay bills, if you didn't have contracts, do you think that a contract would have any power over you? Do you think that a debt collector would have any power over you? Do you think that you would continue to pay a mortgage if time wasn't involved? Can a contract exist without time? And the answer is no. Because if I said, hey, you, you debt slave, you owe me a thousand dollars on this mort gauge, this dead pledge, mort gauge, this dead pledge that you put on your house, right? You owe me a thousand dollars every month because that's how we amateurized the loan. And you say, yes, yes, I'll pay. And therefore I'm going to go work some shitty job that I don't believe in. And I would never do for free. And that's how, you know, if you have a really, truly good job is that if you would continue to do it, if there was no money involved, that's where charity really solves everything. So <laughs> you think about it, man. If there was no time constraint, in other words, if I didn't put a due date, there would be no urgency. There would be nothing forcing you to do something you, by all rights, shouldn't be doing, which is working at some shit job wasting your life away, not contributing to reality or, or, or life or nature in any way. In fact, destroying it. And most jobs are designed for that purpose or to create more money out of nothing to, to whatever it is, right? To create value. And value, by the way, is what mammon means. Man, it's God or mammon. You have to choose. Um, you know, if there was no time constraint on your bill, would, when would would you pay it? Or on the court date, if there was no, if your ticket didn't have a date to show up on, you can't you can't play the game on the, the right day. Exactly. So the whole system is based on time, but we've confused that fact with its representation, which is money. So the whole system is run on money, which is time, and or a representation of time and. Therefore, because time is implemented, this artificial concept of time is, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, to say time doesn't exist. What I'm talking about is the man-made representation, not time passing the passage of time as we sense it. The, 
the digital records of time is what I'm talking about, right? The, the usage of something real, turning it into an artificial construct, and then, you know, recording it and putting you in debt to it. And the only way you can pay your debt is with time, which is labor, right? You're, so, again, now this is one of what I call the four corners of the fiction. Like, without time, there is no legal system. There is no power. There is no debt. There is nothing. And so, unless we continue to believe in time, Right, just like we we voluntarily participate in the system of money, which is time, just like we voluntarily participate in the social media and the the matrix, essentially. Right, and that's why I say you have to understand it's all about self responsibility and self uh, self actualization. Self, right? Your, your 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 thoughts, your actions, and your intent must always be the same. That that's a free man. Otherwise, you're stuck in one of the, uh, you know, in the in the construct that is the the legal system. Which you could you could say the matrix is just a metaphoric uh, representation of of the legal system. That's really all it is. The movie itself. So, and in in that state, you're in at war with yourself, which is also at war with nature, because the deepest part of yourself is emergent from nature and we kind of have to wrap up the first hour here but i really i think there's more to go on this time concept and we can look at it from the perspective of like a cartoon type of simulation because i just love how you break down that metaphor and it's, it's very very helpful to see how to to further explain how like this artificial thing status noun is given life artificially using time as one of the dimensions that it exists in it's a two-dimensional thing but the the what you're describing about the real time or the real passage of time, it come, comes back to what you're saying much earlier, how we are always changing, constantly in a state of change. That's part of what it means to be part of nature. And, and the real time, our, our spiritual currency, if you will, is what we pay attention to and how we change based on what, you know, we're taking in, if you will, what we're choosing to continue doing. Whereas the the legal time, the, the debt-based time is just keeping you in a hamster wheel rat race. So it's like you're not really changing. It goes back to what is truth. Truth is something that we can't control. We can't control the passage of real time. But we can control fake time, artificial time, right? What we call as time. We can control that. We can create due dates. We can create... Daylight savings time. <laughs> but you cannot, absolutely, right? I'm sure this, you think the sun cooperates somehow and collaborates in daylight saving times? Oh, you know, it's just, they, I, I better change my position in the sky to match their, no, no, we, we have no control. That's the, that's the realm where you want to be. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but you want to be in the timeless, where you want to be in the realm where you have no control, that you are, your existence is purely one of protection, of husbandry, of love, and and uh, you know acceptance for reality. Your what's the meaning of life? You know that's a question I, I I've heard quite a bit. And honestly, 
if you think about it, the answer is, again, self-evident. The meaning of life is life. Life continues, right? It's timeless. It, you, you're, 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 the purpose of life is to continue life and to protect life. Trying to come up with some other meaning is like trying to put value on the priceless. Exactly. You need no other purpose. And honestly, if you think about that fact, then that truth, I should say, well, then all of your power, all of that thing that we call the higher authority, the higher law comes down to that. This, the need, right? The, the rock, the foundation, right? You can, you, can, uh, you can spend your whole life in virtual reality and your body will waste away. Um, or you can <laughs> be alive. You know, you're still alive, but you're completely in the simulation and the hypocrisy. Or you can actually be alive, participate in life, and protect that cycle of life. Well, unfortunately, as you know, and everybody listening knows, we have all been trapped in the matrix. We're in the legal matrix. We are in a place where we're not, we're not protecting life. We don't have that foundational understanding. Therefore, we don't have the power of God, if you will, behind us. We don't have the power of nature and its law. We can't implement it because we've all agreed to be in the simulation. We've all gone into the hypocrisy, and therefore nature is essentially... And when I say nature is suffering, I mean that which sustains our life is suffering. I mean... We are. We would sooner allow nature to die, which automatically means we will die, uh, rather than protect it. And and what's the solution? Well, transhumanism. You know, uh, change our bodies into computers or robots so we can survive in a system that's destroying that which allows us to survive. Right? Destroy life, but we can transfer our brain into a supercomputer and be perfectly happy in the, in the simulation of the simulation the simulacrum right well, well and that's really you know if you think about that it's, it's freaking nuts it's hilarious it'll never happen it'll only happen in a simulated way like they might be able to simulate someone's brain in a computer all day but that's not them in there yeah but you know what you gotta understand that that's the religion of scientism that's the religion of futurism they believe it's gonna happen and as you know a religious belief can be more powerful than any truth that's put in, for, in front of you. So if everything they're doing is towards that goal, then guess what? They don't give a shit. They're psychopathic. They're sociopathic. They don't give a shit what's going to happen to you, your family, or for that matter, to that tree over there, they're, they're, that, that flock of whatever. They don't. I mean, we're talking about, and I, I know we're just introducing this subject, but we're talking about a true like organization of of soci sociopathic people when we're talking about the medical, you know, pharmaceutical, the corporate structure of things. Again, when you're talking about the corporations, what are you talking about? A person. Don't respect persons. Don't allow persons to have power. Persons are not real. Well, what is a corporation? It's an artificial person. So and we've Boom. given them, we've given them all the power. Well, Clint, let's let you give out your sites real quick, and then we'll hop over to the second part. My uh, my my footprint in the artificial uh, matrix that we're talking about. I used to have a site called the Corporation Nation. It is now down because it got hacked, and I couldn't fix it. However, my YouTube channel is still the Corporation Nation. My old one has my old documentaries. 
And then my new YouTube channel is Red Pill Sunday School. And that has all my Red Pill Sunday School shows, including the newer ones and also my documentaries, which I, we need to talk about. Uh, uh, in fact, I'm, I, we should have talked about it a little now, but maybe because what we're facing is literally life or death. Um, anyway, it's, it's called wagging the dog and it's, it's really everything, the story behind the story of COVID-19, what it is, who created it, uh, who's funding it. Um, it's all there and it's out of their mouths, not mine. It's not a theory. Um, I actually found the public forum that describes it. So that's on there. I'm about to release my new vaccine documentary, which is actually a complete look at the whole medical industry and how bad it is doctors are the third leading cause of death in america which which actually they're the first leading cause when you consider all the drugs and everything so that's coming up this month the first part of that all kinds of stuff on those youtube channels and then my blog is realityblogger.wordpress.com um that's the important stuff really (laughs) oh uh the book straw man story dot info you download everything's free you can download it for free and then I have copies of the book if, you know, I just basically take donations. But up you can't afford it, just let me know. All right. Uh, I think it would be more than excellent to do content where we're just working on talking about things in your documentaries because there's so much there. And like you said, we didn't really give it much of a, a chance to come out here. And man, I learned... I learned more from those documentaries, especially your lethal injection one, than a bunch of combined other things on the subject where, you know, it's very clear when you just go straight to the legalese and what's in the law codes of how things are defined and what type of thing we're defined as. And man, so I really encourage people to check in the show notes. I'll be linking uh, the recent documentaries and the, the COVID one, which is really really crunchy and, and dense and very worth, very worth the time. Spend a week with that one. If you look at something that's nine hours and you say it's too long, just break it up over time. Just pretend it's nine, one hour shows. It's about five documentaries in one. So it actually works out. <laughs> yeah. But thanks for being here, Clint. Let's hop over to the second hour. Really uh, excited to dig deeper, especially on this time thing. All right, my friends, we did it. That's the end of Wow, not just this podcast, but that's it for 2020 podcasts from me. I guess that might be kind of self-evident because this is probably getting published on the 30th or 31st, but I'm pretty proud of the path we've been on this year. And I'm really glad to end the show, uh, the season. I guess you'd call this a, a season. I kind of divide the show that way. I'm glad to end the season with a, a revisit to the information that Clint has going on because Of everything that I've come across this year, his stuff has been the most markedly, pronouncedly helpful. Uh, Pronouncedly. (laughs) I think I said that correctly. But in all seriousness, I've really learned a lot from this guy. And I hope that you guys have been made to see things a little differently from this conversation. I like to think that even though we're talking about stuff like the Bible, that It's actually a more unifying than dividing type of perspective because, at least from this way of looking at it, we're just talking about parables and allegories and metaphorical stories that apply to real life. 
and we don't need to get lost in the deification and the worshiping aspect of things and just get back to reality. That's what I love so much about this. That's been like my personal mantra, get back to reality. Not that you ever left it or we ever left it, but that that needs to be the, we need to try to adhere to reality as in truth. Like it's so simple. It's so simple. I hope you guys find that this is a pretty simple thing to grasp as well. But the more you dive into Clint's work, the more things will click, especially when it comes to the legal stuff. You do need to like kind of repetitiously look at words and definitions to start to figure out what the con is. And the legal system is a big con. But yeah, I mean, 2020 to revisit that for a second. I think this is the 43rd episode of 2020. Uh, other than maybe like side things, live streams, uh, the plus member only, what do you call that? Multiverse? Yeah, <laughs> whatchamacallit. Those things are bonus, but as far as the main two-hour show, we did 43 this year, which for me, that's huge. That means that I only missed nine weeks <laughs> out of 52. That's a pretty good grade, in my opinion, and I think, although I don't do the best job necessarily keeping my production schedule on track and in line, there are things changing in my life that are going to help that greatly. And so those of you who have been along for the ride and patient with my consistency and inconsistency and, and all that, man, I really appreciate you guys. I think I'm harder on myself and more critical of myself than I should be. Overall, I'm doing a good job. I mean, five years ago, I could have never done what I'm doing right now. And uh, another really good thing that's going to help me out is uh, some new equipment that I just upgraded. Really excited to be able to, once I'm using this thing correctly, this brand new mixer, podcasting mixer I got, I'll be able to cut out the editing, the post-production editing by like 90%. I only really need to go in and make tweaks to things that might need to be trimmed out, but that's easy. That's really easy to do compared to splicing all the stuff together like I normally do. We're talking like a couple hours of work per week with this new mixer I can feasibly eliminate. And if you add that all up across the 52 weeks of a year, I'm getting like a month of my life back, hopefully to put more into research or creating other things or hopefully not just playing video games and <laughs> screwing around. I want to read a lot more books. Speaking of books, I've been reading Clint's book for like half a year. And I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, but I'm finally kind of just going to put it down for a bit because it just, it's hard to read it quickly. You just got to take your time with it. And I'm going to revisit it soon, but I'm taking a detour to read a short book because I can knock it out in a week and then I'll be able to use it for a conversation in the future, right? So it's all about pacing ourselves and when it comes to tackling the Leviathan that is the legal system and the word magic matrix that we're all uh, living within with our artificial persons and straw men. Well, I mean, it took a lifetime to get into this hole, so I imagine it's going to take at least a while to get out. <laughs> and we don't need to do it all at once. That's what I've got to tell myself. I don't need to learn everything at once. I just need to take things as best as I can and make sure I'm taking care of myself, first of all. And making yourself crazy researching only one topic. I mean, there's there's some people that can do that, no doubt. But uh, it's not necessarily worth it. Like, yeah, relax a little bit. We know the conspiracy is the conspiracy. We know uh, the nature that we want to return to. Let's just maybe get back to the practical things. Uh, 
we are theoretically now in an age of uh, Aquarius or a Saturn oriented age. And that has a lot to do with discipline and taking care of the small things. And we talked a lot about time in this episode. I really liked that. And I wanted to revisit the concept a little bit because there's a metaphor that Clint likes to use, which is that he says that the straw man or the artificial person, our fictional ego persona that the state assigns to us, the all capital letters name, you know, the one that's like a cartoon and we're like pretending to be a cartoon in a cartoon world. And what he means by that, it's so interesting because it has to do with time. I wanted to get him to explain this, but because I'm able to explain it now, no worries. It's a little hard to steer Clint. Once he gets going, he just goes. And I love that about him. That's not a complaint. But next time we talk, I'm going to be more targeted with the way that I uh, direct his energy. Man, but that guy can go. He's like... I think I said this in the first episode. He's like the preacher from They Live, but you should watch that movie if you haven't. But anyway, back to this idea of the cartoon that Clint so eloquently explains in one of the episodes of Red Pill Sunday School. A cartoon can only exist as images that are time-stamped frame by frame. And so when we look at how things work in the digital realm and with our on-paper identities and on-screen identities and all that, Everything is transactional, and transactions require an event and a time to be tracked. So your bank statement, for example, would be pretty meaningless if it was just a bunch of events, but without organization into time-stamped timeline, right? So if it was all just scattered about, you wouldn't know how to find what you're looking for, possibly. You would be confused, like, oh, when did I buy this? It wouldn't paint the picture in the same way. It would just be a bunch of random images in a way. And a cartoon, instead of being a bunch of random images, it's images in a sequence that are timed so that it creates the illusion of life, the illusion of motion and movement. And when you look at the way that we're digitally surveilled and tracked and every motion (laughs) that our phone makes is probably detected and everything we say is recorded in the time and date that it happened and where it was at, it's more than just time and an image. It's also like it's multi-dimensional because they have the location involved too and all kinds of other logistical aspects of that. So to an artificial intelligence, this is a life. Like if there was something, an algorithmic, you know, process that was monitoring all this, it would see the way that these transactions and movements that we make throughout our life that are being recorded, it would see the way that they flow as a type of a life and kind of like a cartoon. Does that make sense? (laughs) So yeah, we're all playing Monopoly or pretending to be a cartoon. It's cool. I hope this stuff isn't like a bummer. Uh, I do think that, you know, Clint may have came across a little doom and gloom when he was talking about the bioweapon stuff, which, yeah, that stuff is pretty freaky. But I think at the end of the day, I don't, I think that we can really take care of ourselves. Like I'm not scared of any kind of like bioweapon or anything because if I, I'm responsible for my own health, I'm not putting it in the, I'm not putting it in the hands of anybody else. And I'm not pretending like if my health is poor, it's only because I've been living in a toxic environment and, you know, bad air, bad water and all that. There are ways to help heal yourself. I mean, we've talked about so many of them. Magnesium. If you're not taking magnesium, look into that. I learned today that there, well, not today, but recently, like this week, been learning a little bit at a time. 
daily. I learned about how magnesium has like seven or eight different forms that are bioavailable in different ways that have different types of positive effects for you. One kind might help with the digestion and another kind might help with heart rate regulation and cardiovascular robustness and vitality. It's amazing. And I thought for a long time, just magnesium was magnesium. No, <laughs> there's more to it than that. And it's a, it's good that there's more to it than that. There's always more ways that you can learn about how nature can help us and how we can align with the way that we are created or designed. I think it makes sense. Anyway, I've been talking a long time. It's 10 minutes in. I haven't even told you guys that you ought to be checking out the plus extension of this episode. I think we went about 20 minutes over in it, so it's an extra long one. A great grand finale, season finale, what have you. Uh, if you want to get on Interverse Plus, you know the drill, unless you're new, which means that I need to tell you what to do. That is go to patreon.com forward slash Interverse and check the show notes for a link to that. Oh, definitely check the show notes for everything. I mean, all the documentaries that Clint mentioned that he's done, the different websites you can find him at. Various ways that you can support Interverse in by buying supplements, for example, from the Secret Energy Store using the link, affiliate link I've got in there. That's a great way to give me a little kickback and you don't have to pay anything extra and you can get something good like magnesium crystals that you can put in your bathtub. Those are really cool. And uh, yeah, five bucks a month. If you didn't already sign up, a late Christmas present to me would be pretty awesome. And it's for you too. I mean, at this point, $5 is not a lot to ask. I say it all the time, but it's really not. I pay a lot of people more than $5 for their extra content for their shows. And I think that it's worth it to get this one. I really do, especially if you've been listening for a while. If you only think that maybe you can't afford it for a long time or something, just like do a month. No big deal. No big deal. Do a month. Hear what you want to hear. But don't you think you'd kind of regret it if eventually I talk you into signing up and then you're going back to the episodes that you've already listened to and starting halfway through and going, okay, what were they talking about? And just kind of going in cold like that. I do put in bumper music between the first and second hour so you can kind of easily find it if you're scanning through, skipping through the show. You'll know where the cut is, but yeah, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be so bad to re-listen to the first hour of a show to catch up to where you were, but why do that? Why not just from now on or for the next while until you maybe don't have a spare five bucks somehow, uh, just go ahead and sign up and check it out. There's a video version of the show as well that you get on Plus and on YouTube, but on Plus you get the video version of the full two-hour show, and uh, I have to pay Vimeo to make that access possible so i hope more of you guys go check out the video version of podcasts not this one i uh, okay there's video right now if you are watching it there's video of me currently but uh i had some technical difficulties with the video on this recording with clint that's why i just just put the crazy graphics i made out there for the video but that's another big part of the appeal to subscribing to me on BitChute or youtube or on Patreon and getting, if you want to watch the video versions on Patreon, I will say, uh, just go to patreon.com or use the Patreon app and find the Interverse page. And you should see the post there. If you're looking for a certain person, type in their name and it should come up. I've got them all tagged. And yeah, um, <laughs> where was I? I was going to tell you what was in plus this time. 
We talked about the mythology of voting and what it legally means to be enfranchised, and it is probably not what you always thought it was, enfranchisement, That mean I mean. We talked about why teaching with parables is so effective and how so-called royal bloodlines rule the world with fictional family histories and power inheritance that the common man does not have the ability to pass on that type of generational wealth. And it's kind of... It's kind of obscured, it's kind of in the shadows and uh, concealed, this power inheritance, but kind of not. I mean, if you just look for it, you'll find it, but the general people don't know about it or talk about it, how all the presidents and senators are all family. Clint does a lot of work on revealing that information in his content. We also talked about living in charity, which is the highest law of nature. We talked about how race and gender are legal statuses. (laughs) That's a sticky subject, but... If you hear him out, I mean, he makes a lot of sense. Why claim to be something other than what you are, and all you are is what you are. And I am what I am too. And so we are equal in that sense, and we don't really need to make it more complicated than that. But yeah, lots more in the plus extension than that. I mean, that's a taste of some of the things we got into with this amazing researcher and incredible speaker and personal hero of mine, Clint. I really, really... Love this guy. He's a lot of fun. (laughs) So yeah, please sign up for Plus. Make me feel really happy about this year, and uh, let's finish it out. You know, if you sign up right now on the 30th, the 31st, when you're hearing this, um, I'd love to see how that worked out and how many people we could go into 2021 with. Anyway... Other things I'm interested in talking to you about, well, I've been going on and on for a while, so maybe maybe I should wrap it up, but I came across a meme that was a screenshot from an old video game I used to love called Final Fantasy Tactics, and one of the characters was saying, if the punishment for a crime is a fine, it's only a crime for the lower class. And I was like, wow. That totally went over my head back then, I think. Or maybe not. It's just been, I was a little, like a young teenager probably, Uh, maybe a preteen when I played that game on PlayStation 1. But, you know, art tries to speak to us all the time. And that's why I'm not completely against entertainment as a concept. I I mean, I'm definitely against Hollywood (laughs) and all that that represents. But the medium of artistic entertainment can be so effective for also, I mean, the mythology of the past, those were campfire stories. They were entertaining stories. I think, I mean, I think that's the best way to convey truth. I'm in the wrong business here just having conversations. I should be making uh, positive fiction, maybe someday. But an example of this, of uh, fiction and entertainment that can really talk to you, is this game I've been playing that just came out, Cyberpunk 2077. Clint would have a field day looking at some of the content in that game, but it's about the transhuman hell future that seems like so many of the power elite are trying to build for us where the majority of people's bodies has been replaced with synthetic artificial pieces and body parts. And, you know, I don't think that you're a sinner if you have a synthetic arm or something in case of a injury that is irreparable or, or whatever, but just replacing what, what nature gave you for the sake of thinking that you could do better than nature Good luck with that. And Cyberpunk is a pretty dark game. It's real gritty. Maybe not everyone's cup of tea. Also really buggy, which I find ironic. 
buggy because like the transhuman future, the technological utopia slash secretly it's going to be a massive dystopia that one of the reasons it's going to be dystopic is because this shit's going to be buggy. Like the more we put our life in the hands of technology, the more complex those systems get more than likely, the more times they are going to cause us a pain in the ass and a problem, at least for a while. I mean, I guess things get worked out eventually, but it was an interesting part of the talk with Clint when we discussed this idea that if you had an ax and you took the, if the ax handle broke and you replaced that and then the ax head got dull. So you replaced that. Is it the same ax anymore? No. And that's the same as if you're replacing body parts in this like transhuman wet dream. I'm going to talk more about cyberpunk uh, in the future. I'm sure <laughs> maybe a lot sooner than you think because there's, I'm going to do a video on it and just show imagery of some of the crazy stuff because I think it's going to be a good way to just have an easy set of examples uh, with vivid uh, image help of the uh, things that people have been talking about and warning about for a long time that after what we've seen this year going down, maybe don't seem that weird anymore or that flat out impossible. But I think that it's probably time that I wrap up this final episode of 2020. It's been a joy doing this and being here with you. <laughs> this is what I like to do. I'm going to be so excited to continue into 2021 with all the things that I've learned in 2020 from doing the show and from life. Yeah, life has been a wild ride this year. I mean, I think we've all had a lot of personal stuff. Uh, other than just the external stuff. And it's all a mirror, of course, one to another. But thanks for riding it out with me. I hope your quarantine times were occasionally aided by the conversations that we did here on this show. I know that I'm lucky that it hasn't affected me in a lot, a lot of the ways that it has others financially, for example. But if you're out there, Things would get better, but we got to make them better. <laughs> if you're out there feeling like things are getting worse as, as much as they're getting better, well, that's kind of the nature of expanding your awareness. You're dilating that level of consciousness, opening it up and just taking in more of what's really there. And the ladder goes infinitely up and down. So the higher you climb the spiritual mountain, the further into the dark valleys and the shadow of death you'll be able to peer. But... It's okay, because we don't need to be afraid of death. In fact, it's a great opportunity even to decide who you want to be. <laughs> I heard James True talking about this, and that's someone who's on my list for 2021, if you know James True. If not, go look him up. He's a he's an oddball in the best kind of way, my kind of, my kind of weirdo. Anyway, uh, that's the book I'm going to be reading actually next. His, what's it called? Quantum Rapture. <laughs> really fun. But yeah, I better I better wrap it up. I'm over 20 minutes in this outro. I guess I missed you. And I didn't record an episode in the last week of the year. I was banking this one. So yeah, I guess I did miss being in front of the mic. And I do like the way that my new mixer makes me sound. It's a lot more true to life. Hopefully more clear. Hopefully everything is going to get more clear continually. I'm going to play us out with another song by My Own Eyes. He just put out a few unreleased things. I got to see him play live the other day. And I heard these tracks that he just put out on a new three song, song EP, soundcloud.com slash my own eyes. Also linked in the show notes. 
He's a good dude, makes good vibes, and I hope you check it out if you like what you're about to hear. Give him a follow. And, yeah, <laughs> maybe even a nice comment. I'll take a nice comment, too, while you're at it. Oh, hey, if you want to do a nice thing, go leave a review on the iTunes podcast app if you use an iPhone. That's nice. That gives me a nice five-star thing that boosts the algorithm that makes the thing tell the thing that the person wants to hear what I'm doing, you know, it's helpful. But okay, the, the song I'm playing us out with is called Omnificent. And I wonder if Michael, uh, my own eyes, didn't hear that word from this show, because I used to have that word in the introduction to the show. I used to use it a lot, still do every once in a while, but Omnificent is kind of like omnipotent. Instead of all-powerful, it means possessing all creative ability. And although we are not the creator itself in the sense that we're not the whole as we are existing in this part, the whole is within us, and the power of the whole is within us, and it's a fractal. And within our subset of infinity, we do have all creative power. And it's the meaning of life. <laughs> Now, the meaning of life is life. That's something Clint says a lot. I love that. But that is what life is. It's creative power. It just keeps going. So let's keep going onward into a new age. 2021, here we come. Thanks for listening. Check the show notes for everything. Please sign up for Plus. I love you very much. Take care out there. Bye-bye. <laughs>